Welcome to Have You Seen This, the world's only podcast about obscure, overlooked, and misbegotten visual media. All discussions will be spoiler heavy. You have been warned. Welcome to Have You Seen This? It's your friends Tim and Jen hey. again. <laughs> yeah, continuing to be the two hosts of our own show. Imagine that. Yeah. Yeah, we aren't. Uh, we haven't had control of the show wrested away from us by you know usurper podcasters. People aren't putting out yeah. bootleg episodes of other hosts. We certainly haven't been replaced with almost perfect clones. Right, and even if we were, you know. How could you tell? Yes, it is the actual Tim and Jen. Right. The Tim and Jen known the world over. Right, yeah. I mean, you know, now that we have a million subscribers on Patreon. Yeah, and Jen isn't saying like inclusively. She says we've gotten a million subscribers since we started recording today. And there's another million. <laughs> and honestly, if you're not one of the million, mm-hmm. why not try it out? All you have to do is go over to patreon.com slash have you seen this and for a pledge of only $2 a month, you can not only support our show, you also get access to all our bonus episodes. Uh, and we're now doing two a month. Yeah, $2 uh, gets you two times the content. I don't know how better to sell people on that. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so for, for these pandemic times, we have upped our content creation so why not indulge these, uh, patreon.com slash have you seen this in these unending pandemic times like this is not going to go away. I'm sorry to tell you. Yeah. At the end of the world, you know, what's two bucks? Yeah. But I mean, it's been f- it's it's been four months and we just hit the reset button. So uh, buckle up. We're in for the long haul. Yeah. And yeah, you, you can't spend that two bucks when you're dead. Anyway, uh, that's probably why the movies recovering are getting a little more frothy, like today's, for example. Frothy? Yeah, you know, insubstantial. Oh, okay. It's it's a nice uh, swordplay meringue that we're reviewing today. <laughs> I mean, that's not strictly true. Uh, in fact, we were going to cover the day after. But we're going to do that to a- the day after. <laughs> <laughs> We were going to do the day after and a um, kind of a companion film to a special bulletin. Special bulletin, yes. But I felt like those films deserved more than a cursory look, and I wanted to do a lot more research. So um, look for that coming up at some point, probably next month. Yeah, and I had a huge nap to take. So That's also true. Yeah. And I'm... I am very concerned about Tim getting enough sleep, mm-hmm. so I try not to discourage it, even when it happens uh, yeah. in the middle of the day when we're about to record. To, to crib Bill Hicks, I only need eight hours of sleep a day and another 10 at night. <laughs> he's a growing boy. Yes. Um, that's why he's in a special school. What are we talking about today, Tim? You know, I, I gave in because watching 16 hours of B-movie TV every day, as I do, um, <laughs> so they have... It is, um, it's a delicate balancing act, B-movie TV, because on the one hand, you're getting um, a new B-movie that you haven't heard of every two hours, 24 hours a day. Um, 
On the other hand, in order to fill that time, the movies aren't always, you know, two hours exactly. So they got to fill another, you know, 20 to 40 minutes in the meantime. And they do that with the same five or six pieces of content. So after a while, after you've seen the European topless skydiving ad for the 400th time that day, an ad that, by the way, is two minutes long, like that, and you've feel like you've lost your mind uh so there's another particular trailer that they showed for ring of steel which at this point i could recite from memory it's got <laughs> uh jodon baker carol alt robert chapin um who is not a name apparently even though he's kind of the creative force behind this it is a uh cage match sword fighting movie from the mid 90s and that pretty much tells you everything that you need to know about it you know what would b movies even do if they didn't have the underground illegal fights thing sure as like a jumping off point that's gotta be like 75 percent of b movies right well i mean it's it's an easy framing device to have fight scenes basically yes like, and uh martial arts champions can probably be had more cheaply than established name actors. And on the other hand, no, too, once you're a martial arts champion, where do you go from there? Yeah, I mean, the only place to go is the big screen. Right, yeah. Either that or politics. That doesn't seem like a good idea. I mean, don't don't <laughs> sully, you know, the soft science with politics. It worked for Jesse Ventura. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, yeah, he's, well, he is, I mean, what do, what doesn't that man do? I guess he doesn't rap. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll probably end up talking about Jesse Ventura on some future episode, but um, let's stick to uh, what we're talking about today, which is uh, Ring of Steel and Robert Chapin, yeah. as Tim mentioned. Not a name that you're going to have heard of, probably. Yeah, that is. but I have a feeling that's your in uh, under this episode. I mean, my, my takeaway from it is, yes, I gave in after seeing the trailer on B-Movie TV you know, six or seven thousand times uh, to, you know, finally sit down and watch it. And I watch it and marketing works. Yeah. <laughs> After a while, you're just like, fine, I'll buy your four thousand kroner dishwasher. Just stop showing me this fucking ad. <laughs> like, Jodon Baker is a fantastic addition to this because he, um, you know, he was billed as like, you know, this charming chunky kind of uh slovenly blue collar guy which you know anyone who's seen him in mitchell just you know pretty much knows what jodon baker was about in the 70s um and that's pretty much my my conception of you know jodon baker's uh body of work um I can't believe I'm talking about Jonah Baker's body and use the word conception. It's, uh, <laughs> feeling more nauseated than I was this morning. Um, he does have an ample presence. Yeah. So, but uh, he was literally walking tall. Yeah. At six foot three. Right. Yeah. Walking tall. Um, which they didn't do on Misty Sun Theater, so I haven't seen it. Uh, let's see. Um, Final Justice, also from Misty Science Theater, where he you know he plays a bloated cowboy. Out, out of his element in Malta, bit part in Goldeneye. We see him a couple <laughs> of times. But yeah, um, you know, John Baker, like, 
kind of kind of interesting because um, the way that I became aware of him was through, of course, Mystery Science Theater. Yeah. Um, and it's really the movie that they did, which is, you know, gained notoriety, you know, not just through being like the final appearance of Joel, but just being like kind of it's, turgid it's, and awful. It's a great episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's re- it's a strong episode for MST, but like not a strong movie for Joe Don. Um, because I mean, I, I realize that he's playing a bit of an anti-hero, but the movie is so flaccid and his character is so repulsive that it's, it's just not one of his better ones. Right. Um, but you know, he, he has, he's kind of this, you know, charming chubby guy. Like he has played more heroic characters, but I think that, uh, the movie that we're talking about, uh, today is an example of him being a very good villain. Um, I feel like he is phoning it in a little bit on this one, but I would argue that it probably has to do with the kind of like accelerated production of B movies. Like you're not going to get like second and third takes a lot of the time. Yeah. And he's he's fine and in fact plays it with like enough gusto that it's acceptable. But he's got that same kind of um uh genteel kind of charm he has a jovial quality jovial, like he yeah, en- okay. he really enjoys being evil yeah and exerting his will through um force not applied by him but by his agents yeah he has like real um like end boss energy i guess you could say yeah <laughs> and he actually isn't even named in the movie he's just called the man in black <laughs> yeah which is even better because he is that much more mysterious and yeah when i say like end boss energy it's because it's like this is the guy who like who like never lifts a finger but it's because he doesn't have to it's like right. yeah i could kick your ass anytime i wanted to but i'm not going to because i have people for that yeah and um he does have end boss energy, but he's not literally an end boss because he just walks away at the end. Yeah, he's the guy who gets away with it. Yeah, which is um, I, that and the uh, the shot of a mysterious hand picking up a discarded sword at the end of the movie makes me think that they were trying to open the door for a sequel, which is very cute. It, you know, it would have been nice. I mean, I don't know what, yeah. what more there is to this to tell the story. Yeah, even if there wasn't a sequel, I do like the idea of Jodon Baker's character because he does have this, you know, engaging presence. I like the idea that, you know, he's still out there, um, you know, hosting his, you know, illegal underground uh, sword fighting tournaments. Yes. So he, and, you know, yeah, because that's just cool. Character. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, <laughs> similarly, um, the uh like the end of the usual suspects like i don't think um you know kaiser soze getting away with it sets it up for a sequel but you're like but this guy is still out there like he's still doing his thing yeah he's rollo tomasi another kevin spacey connection (laughs) be careful those kevin spacey connections they'll lead you right to bill clinton and jeffrey epstein yeah (laughs) um they'll lead you straight on on a charter flight to lolita island also, I'm not sure that a connection to Kevin Spacey wouldn't get one killed. So that's another reason. <laughs> but has happened before, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so Jodon Baker well, is great in this because, yeah, he turns that kind of like jovial charm on its head to be this like this villain who is controlling the down on his luck Alex's life. But he's like, hey, I'm your buddy. I'm also going to make you fight to the death. Otherwise, I'm going to kill your girlfriend. Buddies. 
Right. It's a, you know, it's a simple but effective uh, tool for controlling your fighters, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and I I do like the way that it was set up because I mean structurally and character-wise, it's a really tight film. Like you could you could reimagine this movie from I think any of the other characters' perspectives and it would still hold up. Like whether it's from, you know, the villain Jodan Baker, like from his point of view, whether it's from, you know, Alex's point of view, whether it's from like his girlfriend's point of view, like there yeah. there are all like they're all well-realized characters for, you know, for what is an action thriller. It's pretty impressive. It's really a toss-up as to whether or not the man in black is a better or worse boss than Vince McMahon, though. Yeah, well, I don't know how many people Vince McMahon has personally killed, so that's... Personally killed. Yeah, personally, not had people, but I mean, who's run them through with a sword. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like Vince is, is uh, like the man in black and that he is more likely to have other people kill Right, people. yeah, in... In the squared circle, as it were. Um, <laughs> Slowly over a period of years. Yeah, yeah. By having them, you know, injecting dangerous hormones into their bodies as a condition of employment. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So Carol Alt is in this. Um, that name does not ring a bell and does not sound significant other than her just being billed as this, like, you know, hot shit femme fatale in Ring of Steel. I have no idea who Carol Alt is, but from watching this, I'm, I kind of want to. If you followed supermodels at all, you'll recognize her name. Um, she does get name-checked in a Mystery Science Theater sketch where they're trying to remember Paulina Porzakova's name. Mm -hmm. Well, Carol Alt is also great in this because, um, like, like I said, it's, it's, a, it's a tight plot. It has really good characters in it, um, or like really well-realized characters, because Carol Alt in this... It isn't just the struggle between you know, Alex and um, and the man in black and his agents, one of them being Jack and Jack so far. He's he's good. No, no, he's the best. <laughs> I would love to see that guy in an I'm a virgin shirt. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like an I'm a virgin muscle tee. <laughs> yeah. So so Jack is the man in black's top fighter, but he's a little bit of a loose cannon. Um if you wanted to he's he's very muscular and has kind of long um moist hair so you can tell he's a bad guy yeah yeah he he wouldn't look out of place in like a mortal combat game yeah um and but yeah it, from from Jodon baker's point of view in this he is you know a little bit of a uh of an hr problem you know he's he's insubordinate. You know he has some uh, he has some some problems following the rules because um, because the man in black in this is what you know a, a D and D player might describe as lawful evil. Like he's a bad guy, but yes, there are rules to how we do this. And one of the rules yeah. is there's no fighting outside the ring of steel ever. So yes. and a couple of skirmishes do break out and. Jodan has to step in and, you know, shut that down real quick because he is the boss and these are his employees and this is his business. And it's very important to him that things are run the way he wants. I'm getting off on a tangent because Carol Alt's role and um, Alex's girlfriend's role in this kind of mirror that same dynamic because Carol Alt, she she walks in with the sole intention of like, hey, Missy, I'm going to fuck your boyfriend. Yeah. And... If she's protective of her boyfriend and she loves him and he loves her, 
that's a big problem. Yeah, it's it, and it's wild too because like I don't know if maybe um Carol Alt's character, who I think is I think her name is Tanya. Okay. I think doesn't matter. Um, yeah. Well, I the character of I don't Carol know if she, I don't know if maybe she's just spent like much too much time around like really muscular like sword fighting guys mm-hmm. because she is really thirsty for this guy who looks like he would start he looks more like a guy who'd start a software company in like 1992 mm-hmm. than a daring hero oh i don't know he i think he looks like a mathematician of stochastic capabilities he he definitely looks like somebody that i would be in the science fiction club at ucla with i I don't think you've given him enough credit and and really i you know for carol alt's character's perspective it is clear that she is not into this guy for who he is he is just a conquest for her and she doesn't care you know what you know what his personal life is like she's just like oh i'm gonna fuck him because i can well she loves his sword play yeah i bet she does like because she's i i forget how she puts it but it's something like well you know after i saw you in the ring i knew i wanted you or something like that yeah. and you know i think it has a lot to do with his uh skill as a swordsman mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well which obviously would translate to skill in the bedroom right clearly yeah just up in them guts um i'm and also um jack the bad guy um the the well one of the antagonists like he yeah. also seems to be kind of a controlling psychopath who thinks that she's his girlfriend yeah yeah so um, yeah yeah jack's a bit of an hr problem like i said yeah so uh, you know i can see why you know maybe she'd want to get with a guy who's a little bit less aggressive yeah, but, yeah that's understandable it, yeah. it is it is instructive here that we have not really talked at all about the main character yes the actor yeah yeah that's that is really the takeaway here yeah like i think that uh, i think that what happened is we um instead we got on a little bit of a tangent about um danish uh kitchen appliances but um Mm -hmm. because i i did want to talk about robert chapin a little bit um yeah i'll just turn off my mic and let you go (laughs) (laughs) thanks for your contribution tim yeah um turn off my headphones too I guess you're more excited by Jodon Baker than Robert Chapin. I'm excited about the um, world that this takes place in. I'm excited about the plot. I'm excited about the well-realized characters. I'm excited about you know the whole arc of this. I uh, yeah, I, I it's it's a it's a better movie than you would expect. So I I agree. I totally agree. But um, let me give some deets yeah. for the audience. Yeah, like, yeah, let you me, want to let tell me lay some facts on yeah, them. Yeah, tell me about the troubled making of, of this. Tell me about the initial, you know, <laughs> thrust of this. Tell me about the, you know, where, well, where the, where the hits do, finally landed. I do want to talk about um, our, our primary actor uh, because this movie uh, actually comes from a screenplay that he wrote for himself and apparently it was initially much darker than the movie that it turned into. Um, when it was picked up as a, a str- you know, kind of an option for straight to video, um, they ended up leaving out a lot of stuff about, ugh, why am I blanking on his character's name? Alex. 
So far, Thank he's you. the best. Alex, I'm glad you made it. <laughs> um, the, the way that he had initially written the script was that Alex was going to go like really way into the the uh like he was really gonna fall into like a libertine hole in this world of uh underground sword fighting like he was really like you know he has his meet cute with elena his girlfriend at the beginning and you know they start a relationship and it's very sweet in the original script i gather that he was going to just get really into money and women and drugs and to the point where once he saw Elena again, he wouldn't even recognize her, mm-hmm. which, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, that's pretty dark. So I guess the man in black was going to offer him lots of like, I don't know, like maybe he was going to give him like more swords and pussy. I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, and and this is, I think, a situation where uh, like studio notes helped because they're like, yeah, this is great, but we don't need all this. We can sell a, you know, a martial arts you know, fight scene action thriller. I don't know if we can sell, you know, <laughs> kids, you know, but with sword fighting. <laughs> In the original screenplay, Alex ends up getting AIDS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> from a contaminated sword blade. Yeah, dies in a bathtub. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so suffice to say that it was a little heavier when he wrote it. I don't have access to that original screenplay, but, you know, it's just said that it's a lot darker, which is kind of interesting because, um, like, like as an on-screen presence, mm-hmm. um, you know, certainly like, and this is, this is, I think this is a problem with like a lot of B pickers is that you get somebody who is extremely skilled in, well, you know, one of the fighting arts. Yeah. But the camera does not necessarily love them. Right. They do not have like a boatload of charisma or. Yeah. So they put all their, you know, skill points into sword fighting, not acting. So, and that is a separate skill. And it's not like the guy, like, he's not a bad looking guy. Like, there's nothing wrong with the way his face looks. Like, you know, okay, like, fine, like, his haircut is dated. I'm sure it looked fine at the time. Yeah. You know. Yeah, no, this was no one in the mid-90s was being like, what are you doing with that mullet? They'd be like, nice mullet. Yes. I mean, it is It is a powerful mullet. Right, yeah. It's, it, you, know, it's, <laughs> you can see why Carol Alt wants to jump his bones. Yeah, it's it's a prime example of the, you know, phenotype. Whatever. Yes. Yeah. She wants to get in on that party in the back. Yeah. Um. um so. So but, yeah. He's so he's skilled at, at sword play, and and all of this taken together is kind of like the Onion article about the um you know the screenplay for tow trucking, the one written by the tow truck driver <laughs> about a tow oh, truck. Oh yeah, driver. where he gets to fuck Michelle Pfeiffer or something. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And which you know like. That's understandable. I'm sure that if I wrote a screenplay starring me, it would be an incredibly self-aggrandizing bit of cinema. Yeah, it, it um, takes place in the world where people give a shit about sword fighting beyond a very right. rarefied niche audience. Yes, exactly. Um, and, you know, like I was saying, like, there's nothing nothing wrong with the way the guy looks. Like, he's a little bit... Um, I, I don't know a way to describe it. Like, he's, he's, a, he's very light... Um, in terms of build, but he's like pretty cut, so you're like, okay, you know, this guy's got some muscle, right? Him. You know, well, that's yeah, that's that's good for for a star. Like the guy's obviously like worked on his body, and like the actual 
the the um and the actor himself you know does in addition to actually knowing how to fucking sword fight like he has also dabbled in um several martial arts so you know like he does know what he's doing and he parlayed that into a career in stunt coordinating for movies yeah which really that's you know i can see how one how there is the desire to be an action movie star but mm-hmm. if you're skilled more in the combat side of things and more in the fight choreography side of things maybe that is the maybe that's a better role for for this person and and there's nothing wrong with that yeah and he's like not he's not charmless and he's not and you don't look at him and go like oh my god this guy's the worst actor i've ever seen like he's fine um one issue that I do have with him, um, and it might have a lot to do with the fact that his, you know, he's mostly concentrated in, uh, you know, sword fighting and also, um, as we will later find out, software. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> he, and also with the caveat that um, I watched this movie on YouTube. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so that is like I might be being unfair. I might be missing some subtleties of of performance at three hundred and sixty p. Yeah. Um. It does look like shit. Um. But hey, you can get it for free on YouTube. So yeah, you, you know, you if you want to check it, it out, yeah. you can do that. Um. His voice is not particularly effective. He doesn't like. He doesn't have a like. He doesn't have like a powerful way of speaking. I don't think. And I. I think that it's just like not like understanding like how to play to i don't want to say play to a camera and like you can't play to like a sound recordist but do you know what i mean like right yeah that that, like insufferable theatrical way of speaking the way that normal (laughs) people do not speak no it's not that it's that um a lot of times like his dialogue just kind of gets a little bit lost Okay. Like there isn't a lot of like strength behind it, or it almost seems like he's he's like not exactly mumbling, but like not speaking in in such a way that his his lines are hitting your ear. I don't know. I mean, Kevin way. Costner made a career out of being able to mumble <laughs> acting. So. Well, here, funny it- thing about Kevin Costner, like when um, because I when he got really big, like I just kind of really disliked him as like a, a screen presence. And then one day I watched the Lawrence Kasdan movie Silverado mm-hmm. and there was an actor in it who was like, Oh, who is this actor? He looks so familiar, but like, man, he's like really charming and likable. Mm-hmm. And then I looked it up and it was Kevin Costner. <laughs> Sucker. So something happened to Kevin yeah. to, to turn him into the expressionless Hulk that he was for most of the nineties. I, it, he has done good performances, but you know, it wasn't in shit like the postman, right. but, I think you were going to say something. Yeah, no, the thing that I was going to say is that, like, yeah, you can you can nitpick Robert Chapin, a name that has been drilled into my head by all these trailers. You can nitpick Robert Chapin's <sighs> acting attributes, but here's here's the the singular point that I want to make. Name one famous um, swashbuckling actor. You have his name in your head, right? Errol Flynn. Yeah. Robert Chapin is no Errol Flynn. Most <laughs> most actors are not Errol Flynn. That's the problem. Well, that is true. And with and like again, I am keeping in mind that we are working in the B movie field. Yeah. <laughs> like you're not you're not getting huge luminous stars yes. in in B movies. I mean, like, you see 
like occasionally you'll you might see stars that go on to better things or like you'll get yeah. like a you know a Brandon Lee who I'm absolutely convinced would have been a massive star yeah. if he hadn't you know sadly lost his life mm-hmm. um but yeah generally speaking you're you will get actors on the scale from competent to yeah just like know, all yeah, the way you down. can be an actor and you can be a star you know and it's like Robert Chapin was to an extent an actor Errol Flynn is a mm-hmm. star Yes. Oh man, Errol Flynn, probably one of my biggest problematic faves right. of all time. Because he was problematic. There's no amount of things that you would uh, overlook for a little bit of swordplay with Errol. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, like I'm saying, just watch Captain Blood. Right. So just watch Adventures of Robin Hood. Yeah. So this is what you know. If you're Robert Chapin, or if you're any other. You know, skilled swordsman entering acting. This is what you're up against. So, just just sort of take that as read when you go into, you know, watching this movie. Like, don't expect Errol Flynn because you aren't going to get it. Yeah, and you know, like if I like say that, <laughs> say that I was actually good at roller derby, and like I, <laughs> okay, all right, made, yeah, okay, say that I made. I wrote a script about roller derby and cast myself in it as the lead. Uh-huh. You would probably get a similar effect. Yeah. Like you'd be like, yeah, you know, there's nothing really wrong with the way that Jennifer Albright looks, you know, but she's just <laughs> not like she's a uh, she's not exactly a uh, we'd, we'd be like it's it's a perfectly serviceable story with some great uh B-list actors in it, you know, character actors rounding out what was otherwise a forgettable story. Yes, or, and starring yeah. starring this weird bitch who makes weird faces. Yeah, yeah, that's why we're an audio podcast. Um, so, <laughs> so, <laughs> can you imagine like a, a derby movie starring me? <laughs> I'd rather not. <laughs> um, it would be it would be so bad. Yeah. So so we're like I don't know we're halfway through this. But we haven't even gotten into the premise because again, like structurally, it is. It is a textbook movie, and and I don't mean that in a bad way whatsoever. I mean, you know, if you want to get into, you know, um, sort of, you know, postmodern deconstructionist, you know, blah, 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 approaches to stories, sure. But it's textbook. It's right out of a David Bordwell textbook. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's something that I I made. It's a point that I made in another. (laughs) It's it's not. (laughs) What? It's not. Okay. Well, it's it it is. it, it's like a, a point that I made in another episode, which is like no one ever gets mad at a song for sounding the way they like it. It's like how it, it follows all the beats and it goes through all the steps that you would expect it yeah. to. Um, it is it is a competent B picture. Yeah, it is a guy who starts off at an as an Olympic level, you know, fencing um, competitor, uh, accidentally kills a guy. And for some reason, that ruins his career. It seemed like people would understand, like, hey, that's an accident. Accidents happen. It's tragic, but it's not your fault. But he still blames himself for it. And, he's, you know, he doesn't get to do the thing that is really important to him. Um, well, it, it um, not not to get too, like, uh, what's the word I want? Not to get too deep into the psychology of a, of a big picture like this one. Okay. But, like, I think that he is actually significantly traumatized. Right. By it, which you can see why that would affect his, uh, you know, career as an athlete, because he does um, he does have a couple of like kind of fraught 
interactions with people, including his girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And I think that that I think people forget that that can be a factor in, um, you know, kind of contributing to the decline of someone's career. You know, when someone is kind of dealing with unprocessed trauma and they're being like really prickly to the people around him and then people start going like, oh, wow, like what a jerk. Yeah. You know, and they're not they're not going to be charitable and be like, oh, well, you know, like he you know, he is probably still dealing with a traumatic event that happened to him at a competition. Right. Yeah. You so know. I'm saying that rings very truthfully to me. Yeah. Yeah. So in <laughs> screenwriting terms, you have a character who is this, you know, naive, idealistic, um, you know, a person with a lot of potential. And then all from the, the pure world of fencing. Yes. And that is all taken away. That is all like destroyed within the first act. And so, you know, yes. this is a character who's at, you know, um, yeah, at, at like, you know, he, he's bottomed out. Like, this is, you know, pretty much as, as bad as his life can get. Um, and so then in comes, you know, the savior, the man in black, who offers him, you know, sort of this, you know, devil's bargain to say, hey, we have a way that you can do the thing that you like doing again. Through, yes. Yeah, through because... this illegal underground sword fighting um uh, competition. Yeah, because uh, Elena really sees it for the shady thing that it is, but for Alex, it's an opportunity to do something exciting with the skills that he spent a lifetime cultivating. Yeah, so it's it's her not being, you know, blinded by the opportunity to do the thing you love again. It is her, like you said, seeing it for what it is. But you know, he chooses to overlook those flaws in order to get into something that turns out to be a bad decision for him. Yeah, and they do... Um, and, like, it all makes sense. Do, You're like, oh, yeah, I get it. Yeah, they do do a good job of showing um, kind of the effect that the adulation of the crowd has on him. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, this is not a man who revels in violence, you know, unlike uh, Jack, the antagonist. Yeah, Jack the, is, like, the mirror version of Alex. Which again, yes. you're like that totally fits. Yes, the dark mullet of the yes. movie. Yes, yeah, and even Carol Alt, <laughs> like you know, Carol Alt is like you know he's a dangerous man, Alex. I'm just reciting stuff that I've heard from the trailer, you know, over and over again. Like even she, <laughs> like isn't completely on board with you know Joe Don's take on things. He's just like, hey, why don't you and I run away together? So she's you know the mirror version of his girlfriend. Right. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. So he's faced with you know all these choices about what kind of person he wants to be yeah and you know like i was uh like i was about to say like you know he isn't a guy who like loves violence for his own sake he just likes you know having this skill and like executing it like at the top of his game but when he is given the opportunity to do it before a crowd um who appreciates his skill you know all these like rich weirdos like in a you know, mm -hmm. in an industrial space, like betting on illegal sword fights. Yeah. They get really excited when they see him defeat a guy. And, uh, you know, quite properly, like they, they show him like responding to that, you know, applause and adulation. Yeah. So you can see why you can see why the guy would join an illegal fighting ring. Yeah. <laughs> run by a guy who literally doesn't have a name. Yeah. And the other thing, too, about, like, the way that he meets Jodon Baker, he saves him <clears throat> in, like, a street fight, and the guy has a fucking sword <laughs> cane, which, yes. I mean, I don't, I don't know of a better, you know, screenwriting shorthand to say that someone is a, a villainous badass than to say he has a sword cane. 
It is pretty sick. Yeah, and that also makes some great oh. um like character backstory for Joe Don because he's like this whole, you know, swordplay like martial arts aficionado, but like, you know, he's an older guy so he's clearly so he's not like good at it anymore, but he's still like he retains all the skill and knowledge and all the like passion and excitement for this, you know, one kind of uh esoteric uh field of study. Yeah, it's a cool fucking character. Yeah, so it's like, I yeah, I would be out there doing it myself if I were a younger man. Mm-hmm. Like, you definitely get that notion from him. But it's like, well, I'll do the next best thing, which is, you know, I'll run a fighting ring. Like, it's clearly important to oh, him. Oh, yeah, that's true. Like, he does, like, everything he does, it, 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 you know, at this point is, like, by proxy. Yeah. So, and people, yeah, and there's a theme of... um you know, people projecting a hell of a lot onto Alex, you know, like uh, the man in black, his own, uh, you know, past as a, a skilled swordsman, like Carol Alt projecting like all her sexual fantasies onto him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, because even funny- Jodon Baker, like it is like he sees it as a symbiotic thing. Like he's like, I don't want to work with Jack. Jack's a loose cannon. Jack could like make trouble for me. But if like you work for me, it's like, you know, it's that, you know, one more heist and I'm going straight kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, man, like, you could write such good fanfic about where the relationship between the man in black and Jack went sour, you know? Yeah, or, you know, where it, you know, ultimately <laughs> culminated. <laughs> um, um, one funny thing about the, the alley fight where um, the man in black steps in and saves him yeah. is uh, I think we've commented on this in previous episodes where um, movies in the B pictures of the the 70s, 80s, and 90s really loved depicting uh, multicultural gangs of street thugs. Mm-hmm. I think as kind of a uh, as a little bit of a anti racism sop. Um, this movie has no such compunctions. These right. are the only black people in the movie, or mm-hmm. the uh, the thugs who attack <laughs> the thugs Alex of color. In the alley. Yes, it no. is three black guys who want to cut him and take his money. Yeah. Well. I just found that funny because a lot of times, and especially like in the '90s, like you had a lot of like uh, street gangs that mixed like yeah, it's like black and Latino members. Yeah, why wasn't there like a gang member in a wheelchair? Like, let's be inclusive here. <laughs> yeah, why wasn't he attacked by the Burger King Kids Club? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he gets beat up by like Dark Captain Planet and the Planeteers. <laughs> yeah, it's like like, like oh man, I, trans like, thugs. Yeah, there's like a there's like a gritty Captain Planet reboot where they're all echo fascists. Yeah, I'd watch that. Yeah, it would be pretty funny. But yeah, so um, you know, that was just kind of a funny observation. Yeah. Um one quick note about the uh production people behind this movie. This is a Shapiro Glickenhaus picture, which may be familiar to some of you. I know Tim, uh it will be familiar to you as the people behind McBain, starring Christopher Walken. Mm-hmm. Bobby McBain. Bobby McBain, yeah. yes. Um, uh, James Glickenhaus is kind of an interesting figure uh, that I would like to do a little more digging on because he's uh, literally the son of a Wall Street tycoon who uh, went into filmmaking and eventually dropped it to be become a hedge fund manager. Yeah, I can see there's a lot of overlap there. And uh, I think that Mostly what he does now is I don't I don't 
know or care about his uh, Wall Street career, but occasionally you'll see him in articles about um, luxury cars. Mm -hmm. There was a, when I was researching uh, James Glickenhaus, like I found a, I found an interview with him about like some like supercar that he had built for his own use. Like this is, this is how extra this guy is. So this is James Glickenhaus in a nutshell. Paris. Mm Mm-hmm. James Glickenhaus wanted his latest car to make a profound statement. He also wanted it to be a reflection of himself, his passions, and his desire for classic racing in the 1960s. So he made himself into a car. (laughs) He became Kit. Yes. The money manager from Rye, New York, got that and more. It only cost him $4 million. As far as he's concerned, every cent was worth the brilliant red custom-made... Ferrari 612P4-5 that bears New York license plates and has a driver's seat and interior that fit his body like a glove. Pininfarina designed and made all the engineering so it was really what my dream was, he said, adding that the company scanned his body into virtual reality to make the interior fit him perfectly. (laughs) So he got an adjustable seat. (laughs) Like a glove. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, that is that is one of the executive producers on this movie. Uh, the other executive producer, uh, he, he was a guy that, Shapiro. He was a movie producer who found out that you can make money without uh, having to uh, entertain the notion of uh, creative pretenses. Like you just trade stocks, you know, between other people. <laughs> you just like, much. you just speculate on futures. Yeah. Um, which like I cannot even begin to grasp that kind of uh, brain, but whatever. Right. Um, but his producing partner, Leonard Shapiro. I would grasp it also... and I would squeeze it between my fingers. Like, <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, but his producing partner, Leonard Shapiro also produced, uh, two films that we've talked about on this podcast. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, the first one was uh, Wizard of Speed and Time, mm-hmm. which was uh, very early in the show's run. And uh, a unique favorite of ours, Mad Dog Time. <sighs> God, that fucking movie. I will not say anything <laughs> good about the plot, story, or characters in that film. I will not say no, anything is, good about it. Many of you will know it already. Uh, if you haven't, um, you can go back and listen to our uh, our episode with Matt Crispin where we discussed it. There's there's um, a point I watched that where I'm like, why is Ellen Barkin even in movies? <laughs> <laughs> Poor Ellen. I think Matt said it best about Mad Dog Time. He described it as feeling like it all takes place in a coffin. Yeah. Well, you know, it, yeah. it does. It does have a weird like pocket universe premise, which is not it's commented upon. No, it's not. It's, it's like not are explored. We in it's not interesting. Yeah, it's it's very bad movie. So you know that's uh, that's a little bit of Leonard Shapiro's work. Um, James Glickenhouse, like his movies, stick to the hedge funds. His movies are slightly more interesting. Um, he did uh, slightly. He did the Exterminator with Robert Ginty. Mm-hmm. Well, Robert Ginty already. You know that's a red flag. Uh, so our <laughs> our Glickenhouse like, movies like, like Blumhouse. Huh? Are Glickenhaus movies like Blumhouse? What do you mean? Well, there's that, you know, that new horror kind of, like this, I, I keep getting emails from USC about, oh, you know, another thing from, you know, Blumhouse. I'm just like. Oh, I'm, 
Oh, I don't know. Like you're the you're the they're, you're the uh, habitual shutter viewer, right? Podcast, yeah. Well, they're so it, probably it, more familiar shut in viewer. Um, yeah, they're <laughs> they're um, yeah, it's they're it's kind of an HR not HR. It's kind of a PR play um, to be like, oh, like you know, this is the name of you know the the brand of of good horror. But you watch them, you're like, these aren't really that good. So it's it's kind of like an attempt to be a horror A24. Yeah, or you know, like universal horror, you know, that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's something like that, but it's like I don't yeah, okay. So this is the one about like I like you know, they do movies on the level of like, you know, like the 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 haunted doll and right. like yeah, like the ghost hunting people. Like those are kind of modern B movies, I would say. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like Shapiro Glickenhaus, yeah, like if for you Blum. know you guys, <laughs> if you guys know them, like they're 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 very typical B pictures, and you know the execute. Um, or Bloom. Is it called no the Exterminator? Right. I can't remember if I called it the, if I mistakenly called it the Executioner, but the Exterminator with Robert Ginty, which is a vigilante picture, they made a sequel to it. Um, there is also uh, he also made like a Jackie Chan film, which I think is the Protector. Wow, protector uh, no. versus exterminator. Who will win? <laughs> yeah, not not one of the <clears throat> excuse me, not one of the better regarded Jackie Chan pictures, I assume, because well, like, that's why he made you know seventy movies, right? Um, he also, and you know, of course, there's McBain, which is about uh, a group of Vietnam veterans, like basically like frictionlessly ramming through a coup in Colombia. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see how I there's think, any negative consequences of that. Uh, do you remember those guys recently who got arrested because they were trying to implement a coup in Venezuela and they just like completely fucking failed? Yeah, it was um, it was uh, really something to see all these headlines <laughs> with the phrase American terrorist in it and just like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah call us state of state. They literally got captured by fishermen. Like it was, oh my god, it was so awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that, that it's that line art of like the the bald guy, like you know, massaging his face. Like that was me reading those. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah, millennials. Like, that's a Zoomer uh, <laughs> sort of reference, <laughs> or vice versa. That's how the storyline in in McBain actually would have gone. Right. Like. Those guys would have just got their shit split immediately, in spite of Michael Ironside. Yeah, well, he 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 would find a way. Um, so <laughs> yeah, like um, yeah. So uh, but you know that kind of gives you a little bit of a picture of like the kind of material that we're dealing with. Uh, right, Shapiro Glickenhaus. Yeah, and I, you know, to the Man in Black's credit, I mean, there's the that TLC show that was saying, you know, like, uh, you know, Roman centurion versus samurai, like who would win? Like, there's a touch of that where, you know, oh yeah, yeah, say that you're like a jaded, you know, uh, you know, rich one percenter, where you're like, yeah, I want to see, you know, I want to see a, a a ninja fight a hoplite. Yeah, I want to, you know, I want to see how that would go. <laughs> so yeah, and. That I and I can't really explore this in any depth. We would have to have like an expert on yeah. to really um and, and that's, kind of that... get in depth. But like that that did cross my mind. Um, you know the notion of going from uh, I'll you know like yeah, it's Olympic level fencing, but like uh, you know one of those little swords versus like a fucking scimitar. <laughs> 
Well, yeah, you got to wonder because one of them and well, to its credit, that is a legitimate conversation to be had. Because yeah, there there are different techniques and they're different styles. Like if if someone has, you know, like a Zweihander that they're coming at you with, it's like if you're a fairly nimble guy, like you can get out of the way of that without any problem. And if you're a fencer who, you know, knows right where to place a sword, it doesn't matter if you have like this, you know, ginormous, you know, claymore or something. Like if you can just get the tip of your sword into the side of someone's neck, you're good. Right. And yeah, like similarly, I was, you know, watching a um, a, a video on, you know, like samurai swordsman techniques because, you know, the YouTube algorithm insisted I did. Um, and they're like, yeah, anytime that you see, you know, a... You know, like a samurai battle of, you know, swords, you know, clanking and clashing in a movie. Like, that's all wrong. You're, it's just basically watching two, you know, jackasses ruin their swords. Like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you know, really more like, um, you know, the, the one true art form anime, where it is, you know, the guy, like, quickly, you know, unseats and, you know, puts his sword back and, you know, four guys fall down dead. They're like, mm-hmm. that's the way it's supposed to go, because in this video... Which, you know, link in the comments, whatever. Uh, I can never find this video again. But in this video, like, the guy is showing it's like, you know, you aren't clashing swords with this other person. You're just like, you know, if you can get your sword up, like, into his neck, like, if he's bleeding out of his neck, he's not going to fight you. If you can get your sword, like, you know, down to, like, the, uh, you know, if you can get your blade down to, down to, like, you know, where he's holding the sword... Like, you know, down, you know, past the, you know, pommel or whatever, or under the handle, and it's like, you know, if you cut, you know, his thumb off, he's not going to fight you anymore. You know, if you can cut his wrist, he's not going to fight you. Like, you don't need to, like, yeah. obliterate this person. You don't need it. It doesn't need to be this, like, back and forth, like, endless melee. It doesn't need, you know, it's not them, like, it isn't like, uh, what it, like, you know, it isn't the end of The Revenant, you know, where it's just like this, you know, <laughs> knockdown brawl it's sort of like you know it's not like the alleyway fight and they live right yes it is <laughs> yeah it's, it's just being like if i'm a good samurai i'm gonna get this sword between your helmet and your armor and i'm gonna you know cut your jugular and then you are done mm-hmm. like i don't need to keep yeah. fighting you you're gonna die in a minute yeah and um that is kind of an interesting thing to mention because i mean we all know that um movie fights in general are bullshit right. for the most part. Um, they're really, they, uh, they're really drawn out in such a way as to serve you something exciting and involving. It is interesting that this movie was written by someone with expertise in swordsmanship because, um, you know, obviously he wrote something that he felt would at least like pass as uh remotely plausible um right you know like so i mean like i have no idea what like other sword experts might say about this movie yeah um, well i did see one should have gotten a should have gotten a guest but uh <laughs> well i, I did <laughs> see no one time. i did see one video from a sword expert reviewing ring of steel and um just as a person who is skilled in you know swordsmanship should maybe not be writing movies a person skilled in in swordsmanship should maybe not be reviewing movies either. <laughs> it's yeah, like it, it yeah. you know, to 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 borrow a phrase, it cuts both ways. 
Oh, very clever. Yes, Very yes. incisive, if you will. Um, <laughs> ah, I see. But, you know, like, on the other hand... Um, you know, definitely I've, getting a Peabody for this episode. <laughs> on, on the other hand, like, I have been watching uh, the show Hannibal, finally. Um, mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't watch it when it was originally on the air because they just put it on Netflix. And I was resistant to the show at first because, um, I like, I've, and I've talked about this. You're like, I don't before. eat people. Am I going to be able to relate to this? Exactly. Yeah. You know, like I've never sampled long pig, so why would I care? Mm-hmm. Um, I've talked on the show about how much I dislike serial killer fiction because usually it's uh, too yeah, it's like it's too this, baroque for my taste. Yeah, like the serial killers are red herring for the premise of solving a puzzle. Yeah, and um, you know, and especially like in light of current events, like a lot of cop procedurals are like way too complimentary to the police and just plain not realistic <laughs> anyway. Yeah, like there's um, no drama if if it were true to life. It'd be like Yeah. Look, I filed a report. What do you want? Look, I beat the guy to death. What do you want? Yeah. Um But you know, as I watched more of Hannibal, I was like, oh, like this is not this isn't a procedural. This is about um this is about manipulation and art and it's like a bunch of other shit. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I can roll, roll with it to that degree. Like it is ridiculous if you step out of it. I mean, like the, the kills in that show are like, come on, dude, but it doesn't fucking matter. Right. You know, yeah, you're it, just that's watching. That's not the reason you're watching it. Yeah. Like you're watching it to see like Hugh Dancy and Mads Mikkelsen, like, you know, kind of like dance around each other and, yeah, you know, yeah, try like, to understand each other. Yeah, like, like it's and it's that's okay. Yeah, like similarly, much as Ring of Steel is like, oh, it's a different way for guys to fight. That's kind of cool. That's yeah. fine. Yeah, like it, it. Back to my you know samurai point too. Yeah, like if a if a um if if the culminating fight scene you know between two martial artists ended after two hits, you'd be like, what the fuck is this? Right. It's like that one. Uh, it, it, you know, it's like a pro wrestling match where the guy wins in like two seconds. Yeah. <laughs> it's subverting expectations. Which You is- hope that there's, yeah, you hope there's there's other stuff on the card that there's like something going like in terms of story that. And, and you yeah. remember that. That was like the 2019 phrase for like anything that, that went sideways. It's like, oh, we're uh, subverting expectations. <laughs> like I remember that guy. I would say that. I would say the 2020 has subverted a lot of expect- expectations. Well, it's kind of, you know, set them on fire. But yeah, like, I mean, you know, in particular, it was, you know, for like the, you know, season eight of uh, Game of Thrones, you know, it was yes. like the, with the eighth and ninth Star Wars movies, like, oh, we're subverting expectations. It's like, you know, it isn't a shitty movie. You're just too stupid. It's like, <laughs> well, you know, I I know what I don't like. Um, well, you know what? I haven't watched the final couple seasons of Game of Thrones or the final uh, Star Wars sequel, so I can't comment. I'll take your word for yeah, it. Yeah, you aren't missing anything. Um, the other thing too, and this was on a you know on a role playing game forum where they're talking about like, hey, why do um, <clears throat> like in the in the world of you know like you know smart weapons and you know, drones and orbital bombardment and other stuff. Like, why do we still have swords in this game? And it's like, well, we have we have weapons for impersonal up-close combat, not for purposes of, you know, of murder, but of purposes for storytelling. Like, 
just mm-hmm. you know calling back the um you know the samurai example for a third time like if you ended up beating your villain by just like fragging them from space you'd be like oh yeah he's probably dead we killed him and like everyone <laughs> within like you know a 10 kilometer radius yeah he's dead mm-hmm. there we won you'll be like man i hope there's some you know better fights on you know the overcard for this because like this is this is narratively unsatisfying like there's a reason right. why things are are overwrought <clears throat> and you know really elaborate and choreographed because you know people want to see the uh like the the back and forth fight as drama they don't want to just see it to its conclusion it's like we have to draw this out in a more elaborate entertaining way with a lot of you know little difficulties along the way rather than just being like well this is the beginning and that's the end there i just save you 90 minutes by cutting all the action out of this movie you're like well that's not fun (laughs) yeah much like the man in black doesn't want to see alex fight just once he wants him in for the whole tournament yeah, there's, you know, there's a, an issue of manufactured consent in this where, you know, he he doesn't want to- Where he fi- fights Noam Chomsky. Yes. <laughs> Noam Chomsky with just this, you know, double-bladed axe. Um, <laughs> so, 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 yeah, and, and there's, um, you know, issues of uh, you know, agency because it, uh, Alex starts off you know, wanting to, to fight because it's like, oh, this is fun. But then he's like, oh, this turns out to be really shady when he goes to their training um, gym and finds out that it's, you know, not on the up and up. But then, you know, he's oh, manipulated yeah. and into like, it. Yeah, in your favorite scene. Wh- this was, this scene was like hard to watch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it's so, it's so, cr- I mean, that's the point. The point is that Jack, the, the, you know, the, antagonist is very cruel yeah. which he demonstrates by beating the shit out of some poor fat larper yeah who like he you came he wanted to he came to the club because he wanted to study the blade the blade the blade yes um and he really is a will keith doppelganger yeah <laughs> like Nick many no many respect. years yeah. yeah many many years that before will keith was even uh, on the internet, mm-hmm. you know, which is kind of funny, but I guess because like that's a an expectation that we have of nerds who fight with boffer weapons, mm-hmm. lightning. Like, bolt. what do you th- what do you think of this character? Uh, you know, I- let me put a finer point on it. Okay. Why do you think this character is in the movie? Well, he's clear there for well, he serves two purposes. He's there for comic relief, and he's there to point out that you know Jack is a bad guy, and this is a bad. Um, the you know, organization. Um, if you if you dig into it, it it's a little weak. Why the guys there in the first place? Because it's like, why are they taking the public in into their like illegal sword fighting ring? Right. Even even if just as like because yeah you because know, the nerd says he's like you know just wait till I call the cops and tell them what you really do here. It's like okay, so it's an open secret. Like that's not cool then. Yeah, and and particularly because it's assumed um, previously that um, the way that they get people in this illegal sword fighting ring is the man in black like sees talent and recruits it mm-hmm. so that he can cultivate it. Like that's the impression that you get. It's like he's yeah, because like, a lot of them Alex's... are like at will employees. Like Jack and Brian are <laughs> at will. They're just like, yeah, I know what the deal is. <laughs> Jackson, or, or Brian, the the best friend, like he has a bit of a sordid backstory, as I recall. I refresh my memory. Do you well, remember? Well, yeah, it's just you know he he only like alludes to it where he's like you know I is it's like I had some uh, 
accidents or something, which like, I don't know if that takes right. it to mean like he's not a good fighter or he may have accidentally gotten some people killed. Yeah, like, uh, d- like, uh, how did you maim people exactly? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so Alex, you know, is the guy who like you can't have a legitimate career. Brian's, you know, kind of fucked up, which means he can only like do this because he doesn't have other options. Jack does it because he likes killing people. Right. Yeah. Like all these people have, uh, they're obviously skilled. It's just that they have like you know different reasons for exercising those skills. Yeah, they have legitimate um, motivations for being here, which I. Again, chef's kiss, like that. Yes. I'm like, and, that's solid. Yeah, and then you have a guy from the Society for Creative Anachronism, which yeah. is like, what? Like, how did he get in here? Yeah, yeah, he doesn't quite belong because he, he belongs on the premise that it's just like an open swordplay gym, which I mean, yeah. you know, we know people who've taken, you know, sword fighting classes, and I don't know if the instructor also you know, partakes in, you know, underground blood sport in the off time. <laughs> it's it's a it's an endemic problem, Tim. Yeah. But I mean, you know, well. if 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 you're teaching sword <laughs> skills, you're teaching sword fighting, you probably do need to have like a side gig. Right. Well, yeah. And the only way to do that is by getting people to bet on your illegal fight. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know how it is, and uh, like I, I don't know how how it was in 1994, but it's certainly true in 2020. Like everyone needs a side hustle these days. Yeah, things are bad. Yeah. So, uh, so Alex is, and I will spoil the ending. Like Alex does make it through this ordeal with his integrity intact. Like he doesn't become a killer. Like he's, uh, and I guess that must have been some of the stuff that they cut out of the original script but i mean he doesn't take like this you know heel churn he doesn't start enjoying it like he he continues to be a good guy throughout the entire thing um which you know maybe might uh take as his character being kind of weak and that he isn't you know he's tempted by things but he never really partakes in them like he's kind of forced into this by you know joe don baker capturing his girlfriend and being like well yeah we'll return her back to you once you finish fighting for me because that's sort of the bargain that, you know, Joe Don Baker's trying to make to be like, you know, maybe if I get him fighting enough, then he'll start to like it or I'll just feel kind of defeated. It, you know, it's that manufactured consent that I had you know, mentioned earlier, which is just like, I guess this is just kind of the thing I do now. You're, you know, it's like, well, I killed that one guy. I guess I'm a killer now where, you know, your that actions does, kind of define your character. That does make me wonder if uh, that was something that was brought in when the script was purchased by MCA universal, you know, again, because like the, the script was apparently like really dark. Mm-hmm. If they were like, you know, that's like a little fucked up and we want this to be, you know, we don't want this to be like a hard R sword fighting movie. Like, can you give them another reason to get into sword fighting? Maybe like tone down like the drugs and fucking. Yeah. Um, yeah so they're like, Hey, we could have, yeah. Like it would be like, kind of like a story of, uh, you know, human frailty and addiction, but instead it's about a man being um, coerced by the kidnap through the kidnapping of his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if maybe the like Elena getting kidnapped came in in a later draft. Yeah, I mean, I could kind of see that. It it does change, you know, the <clears throat> uh, sort of the the tone of the movie. Yeah, the like he's definitely, art. and there are like 
there are very like explicit references to like being a swashbuckling hero mm -hmm. in this movie. You know, like at the end when they escape by like uh, you know having an impromptu zip line. Yeah, um, and that's that's very swashbuckling. Um, the fight, the f I I think I can't remember if it's their first fight or not, but like Brian and Alex fight in the ring, and it. You know, it definitely has like an Errol Flynn versus Basil Rathbone feel to it. Yeah, and that is a great um, power play, not between those two characters, but between, you know, sort of the uh, workers and the, you know, capital class. Because it is... Oh! Yeah, because it is Jodon Baker saying, you know, I own you two guys and you do what I say, but it is the two guys actually, you know, producing the work who are like, well... You know, he says that we need to go in and we need to, like, you know, cut each other up and one of us, you know, needs to die at the end of this. Be like, I got another idea. And yes, and that is a power play because, you know, it's the two of them being like, yeah, we're we're putting our, you know, our lives and our health at at stake here. We're the ones who actually have the skills that pe that are drawing people to your fights and we're going to do them the way we want to do them. So, yeah, it becomes this light you know, Errol Flynn kind of um, swashbuckling um, uh, uh, choreography. Yes. Yeah, and we're like, uh, you know, Brian, like he goes up into the, you know, uh, up into the audience and, you know, he sweet talks a woman real quick and, you know, they, you know, get to be you know, kind of dashing and, you know, have fun with it, which is... Yes. Which, you know, if they had their agency, it's like that's that's what they would do. But then there's Jodan who's like, don't turn this into medieval times, motherfucker. Like, <laughs> like this is this is my thing. Like, people aren't going to come and keep betting on, you know, on on two guys having fun with swords, with you know, boffer sticks or something. Yes, it's a power play between the now uh, allied Brian and Alex versus Joe Don. So you know what has to happen then. Right. Yeah. And I did, I was like, hmm, like, they're suddenly playing up this character. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm sure that he's going to live through the entire movie. Yeah. <laughs> and because the two of them are aligned, you know, strategically, Jodan makes the, you know, obvious perfect solution, which is, Brian, you have to fight Jack, who is, you right. know, the nemesis throughout this entire thing. Um, there's a fight. <clears throat> Jack kills Brian, who is, you know, who's this? charming fun lovable sidekick and, and he kills him in a really dickhead way too yeah and when his back is turned yeah and classic villainy yeah and so at the end of that it you know the it makes sense when you know the man in black comes to alex and is like oh now you have to fight jack and remember jack is the guy who killed your friend it's like right. it isn't me who set all this in motion it's Jack. Like, you know, he's turning, he, you know, he's treating the two of them as pawns. You know, in that yes. Alex is as much a pawn of the man in black as Jack is. It's just that Jack seems to like Alex more. But right. it but it isn't an, an, you know, equitable friendship. It is, you know, Jodon Baker's character wants to control Alex as his employee. So Well, yeah, it's like he wants friends, but the way the man in black gets them is by like using force. Yeah. Which, you know, naturally makes it like an unequal relationship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, it it continues to be, you know, abusive. And that's why the man in black really is the end boss, because he's the guy who's pulling all the strings. He, like, you know, Alex is, you know, 
ends up having to fight Jack, but Jack isn't his enemy here. The man in black is. The guy orchestrating all this is the enemy. Um, and yes, like because the 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 um, the ruling class seeks to divide us and set us against each other. Yeah, because they want us fighting each other instead of the boss. Yeah, yeah. You see, like there is mm-hmm. there there's a significant message, you know, under under mm-hmm. this. So yes. what happens, um, Alex is fighting Jack, um, the police from earlier come back into play, and there's a raid on the club, and everything just turns to bedlam at that point. Um, yes. So, uh, and I think Alex is initially victorious in his fight with Jack, but then you know, things go sideways, and oh no, he's not. There's a whole other side story here. Um, because they've kidnapped Alex's girlfriend... She um you know, she ends up rescuing herself, which yes, you know, no damsel in distress. Yeah, is Elena. Yeah, so you don't have to you don't have to be like you know you can't you know, you don't have cause to cancel this movie because you know the the girlfriend <laughs> is just you know this damsel in distress. It's like no, she turns out to be you know a uh, a, a skilled sword fighter in her own right. Like she, yeah, and in fact, at the beginning of the movie, they actually meet at the the fatal competition. Yeah, that's when they have their meet cute. Yes, which and I, if she's there, I assume she's also like a pretty like skilled fencer. If she's at an event with like a an Olympic level fencer. Yeah, so she she outwits the guard. Um, you know, outplays him in a in a sword fight. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. Carol Alt left. She's like, hey, I'm off to fuck your boyfriend. Ha <laughs> ha. Um. But then you know she she rescues herself. <laughs> yeah, and that's um sorry sorry to sorry to interrupt your recounting yeah. of the plot, but that's like another bit of uh, manipulation by uh, the man in black is that he uh, and in fact um, Tanya even like uh, makes reference to it because he ki- not only does he kidnap Elena like he also moves her in with Tanya and Tanya's like well I'm not exactly thrilled about having a roommate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like he's it's like he's trying to force like a cat fight or something. Yeah. But that's just the kind of guy the man in black is. Yeah. He just fucks with people. <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a real dick. Um, so he's like, yeah, hey Tanya, can you keep this bitch at your place? Like <laughs> yeah, wild. So, and I mean she does have a big place, but that is a pretty big imposition on his part. Right. Yeah. You know, it's it's kind of like um if you're considering um shoot and I'm blank. like if you're considering like you know monica and, and bruce like you know having to work with you know master cooper when like they aren't really fans of each other <laughs> <laughs> trying to form an alliance between the crocodiles and the zombie vampires just like look like we're we're you know we all have the same goals but maybe we're not all on the same team here so, look we're all invested in the crocodile ethno state yeah so <laughs> Right, so so Carol, like she takes off, and um, you know, the and and the girlfriend ends up saving herself, and not only that, she comes in and like sort of rescues him, rescues Alex in his fight against Jack. Like she comes in, and yes. like she and she, you know, fucks with Jack and gets in his way. So in a way, like you know, kind of an interesting reversal. Like she comes in and she helps him. It's like she isn't some shrinking violet. She's like, yeah, I'm gonna come in and save my boyfriend. Like she has yeah. an arc in this. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a very uh, progressive plot twist from yeah. screenwriter Robert Chapin. He yeah. he must uh, sort of fight a lot of women. Yeah, or maybe yeah, maybe he's fought enough of them where it's like yeah, they're pretty good. 
yeah, so so that kind of you know throws things into uh, into chaos while the police raid is going on. Um, yeah, uh, the girlfriend ends up getting you know captured by Jack. Uh, Jack kills um, what's her name Tanya, uh, Carol Alt's character because they and that's and that's kind of abrupt. Um, but you know just, we had to tie things up at the end. Um, well, and he he kills her because uh, she asserts herself while also impugning his manhood. That's true. So naturally, he lashes out and murders her. Yeah, yeah, because she points out like how yeah, the scene plays out. yeah, yeah. The thing that you were worried about, Alex being better than you. Yes, Alex is better than you. It's like, like I've and she pretty much like says it like you know not in so many words, but like yeah, like I never fucked him, but he's still more of a man than you. Yeah, which <laughs> that's, that's Jack cool. cannot allow that to stand. Yeah. <laughs> So that's pretty and good. Since, and since he is the embodiment of toxic masculinity. Well, you know, he, for uh, fragile. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. insecurity. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, so yes. yeah. She, uh, Carol Alt exits the picture. Yeah. And then um, Alex has to fight Jack this time outside the ring. And yeah, this is where, this is getting into what you're talking about earlier about him getting to do swashbuckling things. Like. You know, he swings from a rope, he saves the girl, you know, he, he works mm-hmm. a zip line, he, you know, pushes the bad guy, you know, off a cliff. And like these They fight are, on a high place. Yeah, yeah, they fight on a high place. This is all stuff that like if you if you were super into sword fighting and swashbuckling stuff, it's like we gotta have this in the movie. Yes. So it's it it does kind of exist as a you know, little throwback to, you know, Errol Flynn stuff. You know, or Princess Bride stuff, I guess, for Gen X listeners like ourselves, um, <laughs> you know, that that are worth like, oh, let's do some neat, um, you know, sword, you know, let's do some neat fight choreography. Yep. Because, yeah, you want that, that in this movie that is primarily, you know, a, a love letter to the, you know, from the lead actor to his, uh, you know, martial style. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, it's... It, yeah, which you know, in a way, it's yeah, it's a little, you know, maybe too pure-hearted for this world. Well, I mean, it does like you rent this movie because you're like, oh, cool, sword fighting, and it mm-hmm. does pay off in that respect. Yeah, like in yeah, the 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 story is fairly basic, but it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, it. I mean, it it works exactly as intended, and even still, in the um, you know, climactic, you know, fight of you know, Alex versus Jack. Alex doesn't kill Jack. Alex, like, you know, he lays down his sword. He's, you know, he's had enough of the life. He's turned his back on it. And it is the man in black who comes in and kills Jack. And why? That's right. Because of fucking rules. He told them there's no fighting outside the ring. Oh, yeah. And that he really is lawful evil. Yeah. And yeah, there's like, you know, as stated before, the man in black is like, yeah, I don't like working with Jack, you know, because... He has, you know, maybe the sense of, you know, integrity, warped though it may be. And he's like, yeah, Jack is just like, you know, this bloodthirsty killer. I want, you know, the the man in black is like, I want people like myself. I want people who are, you know, skilled Olympic level swordsmen. And I want them to fight. Like, I believe in sword fighting as, you know, this, uh, you know, this this art form. Like, he... Yeah, and he's like... and. 
especially as someone who's like positively avuncular in his evil through the entire movie, the only time he really loses his temper, like visibly, is when there's fighting outside the ring. Like Jack attacks Alex in the locker room. Yeah. You do have very nice facilities at this uh, illegal gym. You know, well, when I did roller derby, rollers. like we didn't even have a locker room. Well, did, <laughs> like, did anyone die playing roller derby? Well, I rest my uh, case. Did you have any, uh, you know, offsite betting? That's true. Yeah, I mm-hmm. mean, if we, yeah, like you know, gambling would have probably resulted in an in an infusion of cash into the. Yeah, you'd be um, playing roller derby professionally. You'd probably write a movie about it. <laughs> but yeah, like the only time that he really does lose his temper is when you know they break the rules. Yeah. Yeah, and it's great, too, that, like, Man in Black is not afraid to whip out his sword cane, you know, whenever, <laughs> whenever you know, shit gets rough, because he's like, I, you know, I am the one in control here. I establish the rules. You you do what I say. Yeah. So, and, um, and you he, know, it wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be like a B-action movie without that thing where someone is about to deal a death blow, and they're like, holy shit, what's sticking out of my chest now? Oh, I'm dead. Yeah. And and even still, after that, Joe Don is like, I'm thinking about starting up another ring if you want to join me. <laughs> like, he still <laughs> believes in Alex. He's like, you are that good, and I will put all this behind you. Because it isn't even Alex who, like, Alex didn't cause the raid. Like, he didn't betray him. He's still just, like, a guy who showed up and was good at his job. And Joe Don recognizes talent. He's like, you seem like an easy person to work with. <laughs> It is really true. Yeah. Like having the having the building burned down has not dissuaded the man in black from, you know, having this dream of like the perfect illegal sword fighting operation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's it was, prepared to pull up stakes and just do it all over again, like yeah. in a different city or something. It, it was a different. It was never about the building. Warehouse. It was about the sword fighting. And you can't take that away from him. Exactly. Yeah. But Alex but, is too honorable and he probably doesn't know what else might happen to his girlfriend, who he seems to like, so he walks yeah. away. Yeah, he gives up the life. The two of them jump off an exploding building. and Onto uh, one of those airbags that they use for stuntmen. <laughs> yeah, or, you know, the fire Which, department um, put it up, whatever. Do, uh, do they actually, does the fire department actually use those? I legitimately don't know. I have no idea. But the I, line- Because it is, it is 100% like a stunt coordinator thing. <laughs> yeah, that the um, the line that Alex gives to his girlfriend right before they jump is also telling because she asks him, she's like, you know, that story you're telling about, you know, the greatest swordsman who ever lived, whatever happened to him? And he's like, I think he opened a sporting goods store. And so it's like, that is him just being like, I'm done with the life. I'm settling down. I think this is enough. Yeah. So it's him completing his arc. Yeah, better to be a, um, you know, better to provide the equipment than to fight in the ring, I guess. Yeah, you know, it's like, how do you get rich in a gold rush? By selling shovels. (laughs) By selling uh, 17th century rapiers. Yeah. With uh, accompanying daggers. Yeah, so, and you know that, you know, Jodan's got money in that. If, like, you know, he's letting a guy use a 17th century, you know, owned by King Louis, whatever, you know, yeah, sword. it's like Charles II of England or something. Yeah, it's like this guy, you know, he clearly, you know, he, he gets off on this whole sword fighting thing. He's like, this is this is my jam. Yeah, we didn't we didn't mention the scene where, um, you know, that that's another common action movie thing where it's like a room full of cool weapons. Mm-hmm. 
you know, which like kind of reached its apotheosis in the first Matrix movie when they're just able to conjure up racks and racks of guns. Yeah. You know, from thin air. Like that's about as cool as you can get. But in this movie, like the Man in Black does have a room full of the most exquisite and uh, priceless bladed weapons. Yeah, he the guy knows his stuff. Yeah, he, he has all the best blades. Yeah, he isn't a guy reviewing like you know a fifty dollar you know Walmart katana or something. It's like this is a guy who knows <laughs> his shit. Yeah, and um, that's uh, you know that's another thing which um, is which could potentially bewitch Alex into this dark underworld of sword fighting is like access to like the very best weapons, weapons which have been held and used by a literal king. Yeah, yeah. Like if you think sword fighting is really important, you would be swayed by this stuff. Yeah. So, because because you know that you know that blade is amazing. Yeah, it's it's not even bent or anything. It's perfectly straight, and this isn't just painted on. This is part isn't plastic. <laughs> like, ima- imagine how many gallon water jugs you could cut through with that. Oh, so sweet. So yeah, yeah, and that's the, the <laughs> and yeah, just from like writing a a villain. Part of it is, um, and I think that's something. Um, you Plinkett pointed out is that like, you know, like a good villain is supposed to like offer, you know, the heroes something that they want where it's like that doesn't happen in the prequels or it's like, you know, I don't I don't want anything of what, you know, Darth Sidious is trying to sell me. Like, why would I be swayed to the dark side? But in this case, it'd be like you want to do like some cool sword shit with like some really cool historical swords. Like, yeah, that's the whole temptation by the 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 villain. To be like, yeah, this is all the stuff that you would like to do, and all I'm offering is kind of a a, a uh, shady um, sort of immoral way of going about it. And it's like, are you okay with that? And yeah, yeah. yeah it turns out some guys are. Yeah, so some but people just want to kill. Yeah. So kind of interesting. Um, we mentioned. Uh, the lead Robert Chapin's uh, career as a stunt coordinator. Mm-hmm. Um, and I made a joke about him, uh, you know, basically looking like a, a software engineer. Um, I get the sense, I get the sense, the sense that he has uh, um, done very well in the effects field um, because he actually is um, mostly employed of late as like a, He's like a special uh, special effects coordinator, and he's actually worked on like a lot of like really huge movies. Good, that's great. It's great to hear. Yeah, yeah. So you know, he gave up the life, and he you know opened a sporting goods store, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> yeah, and he you know he, <laughs> he did all right for himself. Store. Yeah, he did all right um, doing the thing that he was skilled at. Let me find an example of that. Yeah, like these are like he fuck he's like just examples of. Movies that he's worked on, like in a visual effects capacity, um, The Gray, Shutter Island, uh, mm. Night at the Museum, uh, Fast and Furious, Tokyo Drift. Um, yeah, so, you know, legit. Yeah. So, cool. Yeah, good for him. All right, so, yeah, don't don't cry for Robert Chapin. He's doing all right. Oh, hey, he also did stunts on uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And uh, Army of Darkness. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah, and you should check out his, you know, lone cinematic outing then. <laughs> well, I think what he's uh, what he's been doing of late is uh, working on a web series called The Hunted, which is about vampire hunters, mm-hmm. and uh, which is billed as one of the longest running web shows online. Ah, longer than uh, what? 
stone hornets or i don't know i i i suppose i could have uh looked into this maybe watched an episode but honestly i didn't really care but you know good for him i didn't even know <laughs> i didn't even remember the name of a of another long-running web series so um, yeah, is there funny. anything else that we want to say about Ring of Steel? I think that if you are a uh, person who cares about screenwriting, this is a good movie to watch because just in terms of structure, it's it's really well done. It's it's a tight story. Yeah, it's uh, economical and effective. It moves. And, um, you know, there are a lot of B-movies that you can't say that about. Yeah. <laughs> it turns out it's really hard to write a feature-length screenplay. Yeah. And... While this is no doubt like a very, you know, this is a, this is a very quick and cheap production, like it is watchable. Yeah. And Joe Don Baker is a great addition. Yeah. And, it, you know, great character motivation, you know, great script. It, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's why we're talking about it. Yeah. And I think that, uh, which is, unfor- it's unfortunate that. Uh, this movie does not appear to have been released in on DVD, at least not in the States. Um, it looks like the kind of thing that you might be able to pick up on VHS really cheap on eBay or like yeah. at your local uh, boutique uh, video store. Yeah. If you have one of those in your town, they're becoming rare. Yeah. I mean, I think like if, you know, the only point against it is just, you know, the premise, it depends upon a, a really niche uh, interest in sword fighting yeah but you know if you like watching people fight on screen like it's fine you'll enjoy it <laughs> if you watch a godfrey ho movie for the the fight scenes this will satisfy you <laughs> if you listen to this podcast you'll probably <laughs> what the hell's wrong with you yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right ring of steel